Welcome to Disclaimers Aside, a podcast where I share the raw and honest stories of people in my community, Disclaimers Aside. I'm your host, Aisada Amadou, and let's dive into the episode. of disclaimers aside hope you guys have been having a great week i have had quite the stressful week it's not quite finals yet so i think that me going into this past week not knowing that made it all the more stressful but i had an exam this past week for my constitutional law class because my professor decided that she wanted to do a exam and a paper not something that i find pretty frequently i really got used to over the past year just doing either an exam or a paper oftentimes it being a paper especially like with classes being online and things but this quarter got had to get used to doing an exam and a paper pretty back to back the exam wasn't that bad in and of itself but i'm not someone who procrastinates i honestly produce the worst kind of work when i procrastinate and so it ultimately just stresses me out even more which is why i would much rather just start early in studying and do a little bit every single day but this week that did not happen and that very much impacted the past week but it is friday as you guys know i record pretty much all my episodes on fridays usually it's just on the weekend but typically it's on a friday and it's the end of a very chaotic week i am going into what's now week 10 and then finals week so if you go to a uc school y'all know week 10 is called dead week which is like the week before finals yet i still have a project for this upcoming week to work on i love the quarter system don't get me wrong i think in last week's episode i went into exactly why i love the quarter system but sometimes it's just a lot but i'm very excited because this past week was enrollment enrollment happens in like two appointments so i finally signed up for my last class and i have my schedule for spring quarter i'm very excited about all my classes they're all in person it's just gonna be really fun to be learning some new stuff i'm gonna be taking one of the classes i guess i can just say what classes i'm taking so i'm taking comparative law i feel like this one's going to be pretty similar to a lot of classes i've taken before And then I'm taking issues of the Constitution, this class focusing specifically on the First Amendment. So it's constitutional law, but focusing on the First Amendment, really interested in this one. And then lastly, the third class, the one that I'm probably the most excited for is intellectual property. It's going to be unlike any class I've taken before as a legal studies student, and I'm excited for that. I'm excited to learn something new. Intellectual property is a type of corporate law. It's dealing with patents and and, um, who owns specific ideas, and it's a type of law that I could possibly see myself going into, but I really just want to see if it's something that I'm actually interested in. And I think that your undergrad experience, that is the time for you to test out things, to see if you want to pursue things after you graduate in a low stakes way through volunteering or through internships or through classes is a great way. So I'm really excited about next quarter and just like a fresh start. It is the month of March. March always just feels like a very, it feels like a turning point. It feels like a very fresh 
new start to things. Spring break is coming up very, very quickly. I'm excited to go home. This I think this episode will be coming out when I'm at home or when I'm about to leave for home because my episodes are pre-recorded just a couple weeks. But I'm excited to be home, to see family, to be in sunny OC. This past week, it actually rained. It hasn't rained at all since I've been here for winter quarter. And I always heard that winter quarter is the rainiest, the darkest, the gloomiest, but today if yesterday it finally rained it rained a little bit this morning nothing too crazy just a little drizzle but it was kind of a nice vibe it was kind of a nice ambiance every time it rains or it's like it's foggy or gloomy especially it feels like i am on the set of twilight but anyways before we get into today's episode i do want to go through some polls Every week over on the podcast Instagram, at disclaimers aside, I do weekly polls. It's probably one of my favorite parts of the podcast Instagram is like the polls and the questions because it's very interactive and I really sit there and I like really think through what I should, what kinds of questions I should ask, what kind of polls I should ask. And it's always interesting to see like what, what ends up, what you guys end up, end up answering. So first question, gold jewelry or silver jewelry? I'm personally a gold jewelry person. It's it's superior, especially I think it complements my complexion. Um, it's a huge part of Mauritanian culture. So I have to go with gold jewelry. And looking at the results, 80% of you guys voted for gold jewelry, 20% silver. I think gold is really coming back even in like more mainstream, like in the mainstream world. So I'm not surprised by this one. Next one is when picking out an outfit for class, do you dress up? Or do you go with something that's more comfy casual? 31% said that they dress up and 69% said that they go for comfy casual. I'm not surprised by this one, especially with the pandemic, like sweatpants became a very socially acceptable ingrained part of our culture, right? So I'm not surprised by this one. I would say I err more on the dress up side just because I treat going to class is like a nice outing like an occasion to get out and so i like to feel put together feel dressed up and that can mean wearing a matching sweatsuit but as long as it's like put together and intentional that's all that matters next one is what kind of movies do you prefer rom-coms or dramas 53% said rom-coms and 47% said dramas I have to disagree with this one my favorite types of films to watch are Oscar films and some people find that boring but I love just a really well-written show or movie I eat that up sometimes people find it boring but films that make you think is is my favorite type of movie to watch next one is ravenclaw versus gryffindor 45 percent said that they are more of a ravenclaw and then 55 percent said they're more of gryffindor my hogwarts house is actually ravenclaw but i find that really interesting i think next time i'm gonna have to do like slytherin versus hufflepuff and see what people say and then the last poll i thought this one was going to be a little bit hard and it, it wasn't as hard of a decision for you guys as I expected, but it was Meg the Stallion versus Cardi B. 81% said Meg the Stallion and 19% said Cardi B. And I have to agree with the majority on this one. I think I like Meg the Stallion more than Cardi B. Cardi B was like, there was a phase where I really loved her music. Even I would even say I liked her music more than Nicki Minaj, but I feel like she just hasn't been recently releasing a ton of music. And that's probably why most people voted for Meg the Stallion. I would love to hear your thoughts, but 
Today's episode is a very exciting one because it's another episode with someone from the Mauritanian community. So I have a family friend named Fatima that's going to be on for today's episode and I'm really excited because she actually, I don't want to spoil it too much, but she did her bachelor's degree in political science and her master's degree in public administration and that is the type of stuff that I want to do. I'm a legal studies major here at Santa Cruz, but they don't have political science. They like divide political science into legal legal studies and politics. But when I was applying to schools, when I was a senior in high school, I applied as political science everywhere else. So it's really exciting just to speak to someone who's doing, like who studied what I am studying and who's working in a field that I could very much see myself working in one day. She spent some time working a little bit in local politics and working for nonprofit organizations and now she's doing more international work so in today's episode we kind of talk about her experience coming to the decision that she wanted to study political science and going to grad school what that's like um and and studying and and doing all of the all of this work and working towards all of these aspirations while also being a mother so it's a great episode even if you're not planning on going into the field of political science public administration um politics i think it is a great episode to kind of listen to gain some insight from and I hope you guys enjoy. So let's go ahead and just dive into today's episode. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. How are you doing this week? I'm doing good, but you know, I'm glad it's Friday. I am so looking forward to the weekend. Um, I will be getting some much needed rest this weekend. Me too. It has truly been such a long week and it's exciting that it's also the start of March. It's always really nice when it's like the start of the month. Exactly. And March is my birthday month. So even more to be excited about. (laughs) Wow. Happy birthday. Happy early birthday. Thank you. Thank you. So what are your intentions for this upcoming week? Looking back on this week and how hectic it was and how much work I did, I think next week I'm going to try to intentionally take it a little easier on myself. I remember like this week in particular, there were days where I even forget to eat. I would forget like to eat and... I'm like, you know, this is not healthy. This is not okay. Work is important, but also my well-being is more important. This coming week, I'll be more intentional on that and making sure that I plan out my days every hour of the day and making sure that I do what is needed to keep me going. I love that. I definitely think that it is really important to just be checking in with yourself every day, making sure that you're taking time especially at the end of the day to you know reset i feel like i'm the opposite for this upcoming week (laughs) i think last this week i had finals and last week i definitely went out more than i probably should have so i feel like heading into like more exams i really want to just spend more time focusing on school and just like really just getting myself ready and in in, in good shape for exams yeah i feel that i definitely don't miss exam weeks So good luck (laughs) on all your exams. Thank you. So switching gears, uh, give the audience just a two-minute elevator pitch about yourself. Sure. Uh, So my name is Fatimata. Most people call me Fatima for short. I was born in West Africa. I grew up particularly in Mauritania and Senegal, half and half. 
um, and I partly grew up there and then the other part I grew up in the US. Um, I am married, I have two children who are my whole world. <laughs> they are five and three. I live in the US, but I am currently out of the country. Um, I am in Africa. I have a bachelor's degree in political science and a master's degree in public administration. I currently work for the United Nations and I love international work because it really allows me to reach people from all over the world and it allows me to reach a diverse group of people. I enjoy traveling, I love trying new foods, and I love spending quality time with my family. That's me in a nutshell. No, that is so cool. And I feel like definitely a career like working in any type of international work is perfect for someone who who loves traveling and trying out new foods so that is that is really really cool and one thing i do admire it's always really nice to just see someone you know from mauritania studied political science um and public administration and is now kind of like working in those areas that i think that is really really cool because i feel like i just don't i don't see that too often yeah, um, and I think Mauritania also, to its credit, we are, like, the, it's a big country with a small amount of people. So, um, so in return, you don't really see a lot of Mauritanians internationally, and that's just because the country is so small. Like, not land-wise, but people-wise. It's like a country of three million people, I think max in return we don't see a lot of mauritanians abroad as much as you see for example senegalese people abroad or nigerians abroad because they have more people and so i think that might be a little bit of the why um, like you were saying you don't see a lot of mauritanians doing such work i think it's just that is one of the reasons i definitely agree and i think even with that like every time I come across someone that's Mauritanian, it's always such a special moment because since there are so few Mauritanians abroad, it feels like a lot of the times it is like a place of community. So disclaimers aside, what is one unpopular opinion you have? Well, since we're talking about Mauritania and um, immigration and all that, my unpopular opinion is geared more towards the West African community that is living in the U.S. Um, and it's concerning integration. Um, I see, a, like I, oftentimes I see a lot of the older generation really like refusing to integrate. And they do this by like not really trying to learn English or by not trying to invest in the US because they are afraid that those things would mean that maybe they're not proud of where they came from or that they're not proud of their own native languages, so then they're having to go out there and learn someone else's language per se. But the way I see it is in order to really like help yourself and um, help your children, since most of these older generations are having kids in the US, they are raising their families in the US. The best way to really help your children and help them be successful is by you like integrating into that your new country now and knowing your the language and also understanding that this is probably the only country your children know you might take them back home maybe like once or twice every couple years 
but this is their country and this is their culture so if you really want to know your children you must know their culture you must know what their interests are and then return because oftentimes as you probably know um, our parents always want us to understand where they came from they want us to understand the struggles they went through um, and so I think it should be an exchange they should learn a little bit more about where their kids are coming from and in return the kids learn about where they came from so it's it's the learning process so everybody needs to learn more about each other in order for that for the, a relationship to be strong I completely agree. I find this a really interesting point that you brought up. Um, I never have, I've never really thought about this too much in detail, but I think people sometimes can forget that things don't have to be all or nothing. Like you can find a balance between integrating into the country that you've immigrated to and also staying rooted in your culture. And there is probably like a huge fear and like you're coming to a new country and when you're raising kids here I'm sure there is a big fear that like your children will lose that connection that you you grew up with to your culture and your your country at the end of the day but I would say that like just speaking from my experience very briefly um, as someone who has parents that immigrated here that I I feel like even still growing up in the U.S. like the times that my parents have taken me back home to Mauritania to visit have connected me back with my culture. And I think there are ways to still integrate and at the same time, keep your children also rooted in your culture and your community. Exactly. And I think that is also, it's also important that they realize, um, you know, once you take that decision to move to a different country, like those are some of the things that come with it. Like you gain some and you lose some, not saying that it would be a loss, but you know, it's just a saying like you gain some and you lose some. And those are some of the things that come with it and you just have to embrace it in the best way that you can. A hundred percent. So switching gears, did you always know you wanted to go into political science or is it something you kind of like figured out over time? So yes and no. From a young age, I always was fascinated by international work or like diplomacy and public service. And I knew that that's what I wanted to do from a young age, but I was not keened on, I had to go into political science. Um, I just knew what career I wanted. And so I tried to see what major would help me get to that career goal. Um, I did not actually decide to go into political science until I arrived in college. I believe it was like my third year in college that I decided to go into political science. So last minute, but yes. No, I find that really interesting. Actually, my roommate was literally just telling me this last night because we were kind of talking about like going into college and like there's this whole notion that you have to go into college knowing exactly what you want to do when that's not really the reality. And I think people struggling with trying to figure out like what they want to pursue. She was saying basically just to kind of like reflect on your childhood, reflect on things that you love to do as a kid or things you were interested in from a young age because that's where like genuine passion comes from and searching for career paths that kind of reflect that. Going into college, would you say you experience any pressure societally to go into STEM? Because I know this can be a huge societal pressure that happens a lot, often especially in like immigrant communities or immigrant um, families. 
is the pressure to, you know, be a doctor or be an engineer? I would say I definitely did feel pressured to go into STEM. And that is um, the reason why it took me a while to actually go into political science. If you remember, I said I didn't decide to go into political science until my third year. The reason being, when I first went into college, um, the pressure from, you know, family, the pressure to have a job that's stable, the pressure to make a good amount of money led me to go into college thinking I wanted to do biology, which is something I have no interest in whatsoever. And so I went in and did biology with the intentions that I would go to pharmacy school and become a pharmacist and, you know, have a stable career, make good money and all that good stuff. But in my heart, I knew that that's not something I was passionate about. And so later on, I just had to make the decision that was best for me. I had to be like, you know, this is my life. This is me who has to, you know, live with these decisions. I have to work in these careers for most of my life, if not all of it. And so it wasn't worth me sacrificing that just to maybe please others or just to make money even though i mean i know making a lot of money is nice but there are more important things than that that is when i started researching going back to my childhood um dreams and desires and things researching you know what would get me into that career field that i want what a major should i go into and so the more research i did and speaking to people and all that i first started with um, the international studies department the university i was at international studies and political science was actually um, intertwined so they were one department and so the more i spoke to the international studies teachers and then they would like recommend i also talk to some of the political science teachers i came up with the decision to major in political science and then minor in international studies and i just figured you know that would get me into the path of the career that i was aiming for yeah i'm i'm really glad that you had the opportunity to make that pivot i think that the pressure to have a stable job is like a real pressure that especially when you're an immigrant or the first gen like children of immigrants like that is very much ingrained in you like you need to work hard you need to study hard and you need to get a stable job but i think at the end of the day you will be successful at what you're passionate about you know and 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 when you're passionate about your work that ends up being reflected in your success and so i think that While it is important to keep in mind that it is important to be financially stable, you have to go with what your heart wants. And I think it's really cool that they had um, international studies as a minor at your college, kind of comparing it to a little bit of how they do things at my school. They have, they actually don't have political science. They split up political science into legal studies and politics. I don't really understand why they do that because I've taken classes in both and I just think that it would be easier to have them as one major but I've taken a couple international relations classes they are cool I don't know if that's like a path I would necessarily want to go down but I think it is cool it's really cool to also just see like a woman of color doing this type of work just because I know from my experience in my classes a lot of my classes are just filled with white men so it's refreshing to see someone that looks like me doing this type of work 
definitely um i feel that and for me it's because i also i mean i also went to a majority white school and so you know as default most of my classes did have more white people than people of color um, but specifically the political science department like you said i was oftentimes i would be the only person of color in my classes and so sometimes you know you look around and you get a little discouraged because you're like you know there are no people like me going into this like am i at the right place kind of thing but you know like you said if it's your passion if it's something you want to do don't let anything or anyone stop you from doing it kind of related to that topic what would you say was your favorite memory from college i don't know that i have a favorite memory but i know like now looking back in on my um college experience i just loved the responsibilities that college taught me things from like learning how to balance your classes your work and like your home life and really just being able to take ownership and responsibility for like the decisions you make every day whether that would be like deciding to not finish a paper on time or forgetting to do your homework that was due the day of and just really owning up to that and not making like you know excuses for decisions that you made for actions that you took kind of thing has really i feel like been useful in the adult life <laughs> because um even when i was you know pursuing my masters and all that it was having to do a lot of that and so i'm glad that i was able to learn a lot of that in college and it is something that i still you know you find useful in my adult life i definitely agree one of the most rewarding aspects of being in college is that level of responsibility that you take on cuz it kind of creates like a sense of independence because at the end of the day you're accountable for everything that you do if you decide to procrastinate you have to face those consequences and your parents aren't there to guide you through every single decision that you make so it can be very very satisfying i think after growing up and kind of being guided through everything finally being able to kind of take accountability for yourself it can be very very fulfilling and i i definitely agree that's one of my favorite aspects of of college thus far in comparison to undergrad how was pursuing a master's degree because i think we can look at a master's degree as like just two more years but from my understanding like pursuing a master's degree is a lot more work than you know undergrad level work because you know it is a higher caliber of a degree. A master's degree is definitely a different kind of work than undergrad. You know, in undergrad, you do a lot of homeworks or uh, many papers that may lead up to one big paper at the end of the semester or quarter. With the master's program, I love the fact that like you were able to just talk about your career for example. Like I had classes where we were able to sit down and um discuss what we work what we did and then talk about how that work can can be um integrated into the class and what each of us did what cuz a lot of the people that were in my program worked at either like the city government or the county government or state government and things like that and so we were able to see like the type of work that's done at each level of government how we can all interact and how we can make the procedures 
and the things that happen at each level smoother for each one of us because oftentimes it's like you see oh maybe the city and the county don't talk with one another much or they don't interact much but then there's a lot of work that they have in common so how can we talk about bringing that work together and actually start having those conversations to make it impactful and to make the job the work more meaningful so you won't see a lot of that homework aspect where you're having something to do every week for me in particular i was in quarter classes each class lasted six weeks so literally you were like cramping everything down in six weeks and most of the time you would have like a 30 page paper a 40 page paper due at the end of that the six weeks but you're not having like a lot of homeworks in between but you have a lot of readings and you have a lot of discussions to do um, with with your classmates and things and with your professors, but then you're not having a lot of homework. But then that paper is really where they get you because you're writing like a 30, like I said, a 30 or 40 page paper that most of your grade will depend on. It's probably like 80% of your grade is that. And so you have to really, you know, do good on that because if you fail that paper, then you basically will fail the class. And so it's different in that way, if that makes sense. Wow, that is very high stakes. I I genuinely can't imagine like a six week quarter because I'm on the quarter system right now and it's 10 weeks and that already feels so quick for a class. It's like so much work per class. So that's wild to me, but I really like what you said that your master's program was more career focused. It was more involved in the field because I think sometimes it can feel like undergrad education can be very theoretical, especially here at the uh, University of California. Like the, the education is very like more theoretical. And from what I've heard, just like speaking to past teachers, when you pursue like a master's degree, it's it's much more tangible. It's much more almost like real world, if that makes sense. It really is. Um, I th- and I think that it's important that you, you know, research the master's program you're going into to see what it offers. And is it something you're interested in? Because one school might have, like for me, I'm a master's in public, public administration, but it's set up completely different than the next school. So you just got have to do your own research and figure out what interests you more, what type of education are you looking for? What are you trying to get out of it? That will, you know, help you really succeed in the program. Speaking of that, what advice would you have for someone that's listening right now thinking about going to grad school or applying to grad school? My advice would be to know what you want, to know why you want to go to grad school. You know, is it because you want to be able to make more money? Is it because you want to gain more knowledge? Or is it because your company is paying for it and so you want to take advantage of a free education? Um, I think knowing that will really help keep you going on the program because there will be days where you're like wanting to give up. But if you know what you want and you know your why, I think that is what will keep you going. And just also realizing that your experience, like I was saying, will be different from everyone else's. So you might know people who maybe had a horrible experience with their master's program. That does not have to be your your reality. You can go into it and really enjoy it. I think it just really depends on the program itself and the type of person you are and what you are wanting to get out of it at the end of the day. 
is just an experience like everything else that is different for everyone. But if you want it, it's something that you can definitely explore and something that's possible to do. It's not something that's out of the reach or it's too hard to do. Like some people just make it seem as if a master's or a PhD and things like that are out of reach. I think that it's important with everything you do in life just to know your why and your intentionality so that you're making sure that with every decision, with every experience that you go into, you're really taking from it like what you want and what you intend for it. You mentioned companies actually paying for master's degrees and this may be really inaccurate because it was something that someone had told me, they were an under another undergraduate student, but they mentioned that with master's programs, oftentimes a lot of them are paid by companies. Do you think that is true? Or do you think that in most cases, the actual individual, the student, should be paying for their master's program? It, it is true that there are a lot of companies out there that will pay for your master's program, especially if what you're pursuing is closely related to the job you're doing. So if you're, for example, in finance and you want to go get your MBA and concentrate in finance, a lot of companies will go ahead and pay for that. There are always some red lines though. It's uh, for a lot of companies is we pay for your schooling. You do your two years program, but then after you graduate, you have to stay with us an additional five years because they see it as an investment in you. And so they want you to invest in the company as well. So there are always those kind of things that you have to look out for. So if you don't think this is a company you want to stay in for longer than a year, then maybe you don't want to have them pay for it. Because if you leave before that five years is over, then they'll probably have you pay them back the money that they invested in you, for example. And I do think that if it's something that is available to one's company, then you should definitely take advantage of it because, you know, a master's program is not cheap. So if you can have someone else pay for you, then go for it. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate, but unfortunately in this country, education is so expensive and student loans the debt racks up so so quickly it's insane i know you mentioned earlier that you are a mother um would you say it was challenging balancing being a mother and also going to school i would be lying if i said that it was not <laughs> challenging and hard at times it's definitely hard you know trying to balance the family trying to take care of children being in a master's program while also working full-time and there were times where i would question myself like what am i doing what am i doing with my life why am i doing this to myself it's like all these stressors coming from everywhere and especially i was in my program while covid hit everything else that was going on plus covid would just like you know put me on the edge a lot of days where I was just like, you know, maybe this is not worth it. I should just quit and, you know, focus on things. But um, just knowing that it would it was temporary and it would pass and there is a light at the end of the tunnel kind of really kept me going. And knowing that it was something that would that was also going to not only benefit me, but also benefit my whole family kind of thing. So that really was what kept me going and also thank God for my support system because I don't think I would have been able to do it all without my support system. I had my husband who was my rock. Um, I had my parents who were around who I was just able to, you know, 
drop the kids off to them whenever I needed to, whenever I needed, whether it was just needing a break or needing to focus on schoolwork. I'm really grateful that, you know, I had that around because I do recognize like not everybody has that and it's not that easy for everyone. And so it's hard and I know it would be hard for any mother, but I'm grateful that I had that support around to help me. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think support systems are very, very important in anything you do, having people in your corner to be there for you, to push you. And I love what you said about remembering that there's always a light at the end of the tunnel, that if you're struggling in this moment with what you are dealing with or what you are facing, that remembering that everything at the end of the day is temporary and everything will eventually perish. So that is very admirable getting your master's and also, you know, being a mom and all of that. And I think we need to see more of that representation as well. Congratulations. I know it's it's difficult hitting any milestone like graduating during, you know, a pandemic, but still congratulations on achieving that because it's a big accomplishment. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I'm curious, did you ever consider going to law school? Maybe for like five seconds. <laughs> There was maybe a little bit of time where I was like, oh, because like I was saying, a lot of people who were in my political science program, a lot of them were pursuing law school. And so I remember there was a time where that conversation was had with, by one of my professors and it was actually a law, a pre-law class because I had to take some pre-law classes for political science. And I thought about it a little bit, but I'm like, no, that's not me. That's not what I want to do. Um, and so it didn't last long. So I let it go because I knew it wasn't my interest. Law school is not for everyone. And it's a huge, huge commitment from my understanding not only is it like a huge academic commitment financially it's a huge commitment just the way that law school is structured in comparison to a master's degree I'm sure there are differences that you most likely gain so what would you say was one thing you gained from going to grad school rather than law school well, it was shorter, shorter amount of time, two years program rather than being in law school for three years. Um, that's one thing. It's probably less costly too, because, well, I have a sister, my sister Miriam is currently in law school. And I oftentimes ask her questions about, you know, school and what's going on. And then she would tell me all the things that are going on and what she's doing. And I honestly don't think I would have been able to go through law school the same way I went through my master's program with having a family and having all the other responsibilities that I have and that I had at the time I was pursuing my master's degree. And I know like, just like I said, just from hearing from her and seeing the kind of things she does, the kind of work she's doing and how much time she puts in it. She literally, like she has no, no pets, no children, but she literally has no time for anything else but school at the moment. And so it's very time consuming, it seems like. And so I am in one hand glad that I did not <laughs> go into law school because it would have been hard for sure. Yeah, that's the one thing I hear about law school is that it is truly all time consuming. And that's not for everyone. Like At the end of the day, we're all on different paths. And all that matters is that the path that you're on is is serving you and, and your needs. 
So I think there's this misconception that if you don't go to law school, you can't find a job with just a political science degree. What would you say was the job search process kind of like after you finished your master's? Going back to after I finished my bachelor's actually, and I do hear, I do hear that a lot too. Like when you go into arts degree, you don't, you can't find a job, especially not in the, you know, major that you went into. Oftentimes you don't find a job and things like that. But for me, I knew what I wanted and I did not let the naysayers stop me from pursuing a bachelor's of art. Um, and so I just planned it out and I knew like I would have to lose at the beginning in order to gain. And so graduating with some of my friends who were in STEM and them being able to find jobs right away. But knowing that that might not be my case because, you know, with the bachelor's of art in political science and then it's not like you can just go out there and be a political scientist automatically. Um, you, there are steps you have to take. And so from the internships I did, I made sure there were internships that would serve me purpose, that would help me gain experience. And then after I graduated, I didn't directly try to find a job right away. I went ahead and served on AmeriCorps. I don't know if you're familiar with AmeriCorps. They define it as just being the U.S. version of the Peace Corps. So it's kind of like Peace Corps, but you do it nationally in the U.S. And even though that didn't pay, I, you know, I gave them my time. I volunteered and I did that. And I also interned at the U.N. headquarters in New York City. Um, and that was also unpaid. And this was all after my bachelor's degree. So I'm like interning, I'm volunteering, I'm not making money yet. And at times it does get, get frustrating because it's like, you know, you want to just graduate and have a job right away. That's everyone. That's what everyone wants because for one, especially if you have student loans or you have other things going on, you want to be able to, you know, pay for things, afford things. But I knew that wouldn't be my life. So I was willing to, like I said, intern for free. I was willing to volunteer to gain experience, uh, which eventually led me to, that opened up doors for me to have a career that was related to my major. And then from there, while I was working, I decided to pursue my master's degree. And I graduated last year. I was still working. And then now starting this year was when I started my current position with the United Nations. And so, you know, it's, I say all that to say, it's not always just going to be this straight path of career right after um, graduation. Sometimes you have to take some turns that others may not have to take to get to where you want to get. That is truly great advice. And I definitely am going to take that perspective and try and apply it to my own path i think that people can get caught up in like oh i i just want like a really good paying internship or job but i think that people kind of lose sight of the fact that there can be rewarding aspects of a job or a position and and you can get rewarded in experience experience that will as you mentioned get you to where you want to be three to five years down the line. So what kind of work do you do now? I know you kind of touched on it very briefly. And how would you say your past internships prepared you to where you are now? Definitely every job, every internship I've held thus far has prepared me for 
this job and I think that's believe true for everybody I think anything you do in life will per- like prepares you for the next thing that you have coming up in life you may not see it as a direct thing but in some way or form it does prepare you for that and so right before I took this job which currently I the job I do is called the board of inquiry officer um, and so it's a lot of analytical things um, a lot of analyzing reports some investigation as well and it's geared more towards UN personnel. I think even like my master's degree prepared me for this, you know, having to write, I've had to write reports and things in my master's program. And now I'm doing that on a day-to-day basis. I'm writing reports, I'm analyzing reports, I'm investigating things and having to pay close attention to every little thing that I'm working on and making sure that, you know, there are no mistakes made. I believe everything I've done thus far has prepared me for that and has been helpful in some way or form for me to be able to do my job successfully. It is really important to really be intentional about like the volunteering and the internships that you pursue because those are all opportunities for you to kind of learn and grow in a way that will prepare you and shape your ability to jump into a new career. So if you weren't doing the job that you're doing now, what do you think you would want to do? Honestly, I think I would have stayed in in local politics because I was doing, I was working uh, right before here. I was the public affairs director for one of the county commissioners in Hamilton County. I liked doing that because I was, even though it was just at the local level, I did like being able to help people locally uh, because oftentimes you do hear people say like the federal government is useless, is not, you know, doing what it promises to do. But I think it's also important for people to pay attention to local politics because that's where most of the major decisions in your life or most of the things that will um, that affect your life are made is at the local level from the city the county um, into the townships and things like that it's I feel like people don't pay that much attention to it and when I was doing that I was very intentional in making sure that any information that was available any programs that were available and things that I knew people could benefit from or things that would impact their lives people were able to get that and also able to see it and know that you know it's happening because i feel like people oftentimes overlook what's going on locally but that's really where we need to be looking and so that experience has taught me a lot and even speaking for myself things that i did not know happened at the local level before i was in the position that i was in so i think if i wasn't where i'm at right now i would have stayed in local politics a little long just a little longer not forever but just a little longer i agree people definitely overlook local politics and when i say people i include myself i think i didn't really realize how impactful local politics was until I took a class last quarter called Law and Democracy and the professor for that class was actually an elected official in our like local county. He was a city, he serves on the city council. So he talked a lot about his experience as an elected official, his experience in government as he was kind of explaining some of the structures of government and things like that. Your local governments are very important. They have to be very rooted in the community and it's a space where you can make change in a way that is very meaningful and felt on on a individual level 
And I think also just like thinking about federal politics, I think that another thing with that is like, since there is so much political gridlock going on, I think people can a lot of the times kind of think to themselves, or I just hear a lot of people say that like, oh, the government is just working so slow and the government's not really doing much. But I found that like when I actually learned how the system works and and learned how government is structured, change happens slowly and you may not see all of the work that's going on behind all of these decisions but it's a lot of work it's a lot of intentionality and politicians are working as fast as they possibly can to try and make change for their communities yeah it, it definitely does not happen fast things take years to even be implemented yet alone to start working um so i know we talked about kind of like politics here in the U.S., but do you have any visions of like how you would want to help the Mauritanian community through your work? Through my current work, I'm not sure that I'm able to directly help the Mauritanian community. And on a personal thing, like from living in the U.S. and really getting to know like the West African community in general there, my hopes and wishes are that um, they're able to really integrate and really benefit from the things that happen because at the end of the day it's saddening to see a lot of people who immigrate there and you know you're they're paying their taxes they're being good citizens and they're doing everything but they're not benefiting from things that are that other people are benefiting from for example just like during the pandemic like i said i was working at the county level and there was like a lot of things happening from like food assistance um to you know money assistance small business reliefs and things like that and i feel like a lot of mauritanians or west africans did not know a lot of that was happening and so you know i'm one person but i tried to see how I can get things out out there to people and all that. But I feel like if we as a community were more involved um, from going to like commissioner meetings, going to city hall meetings, and maybe not all of us going, but designating one person, because those are open to the public. Anybody who's a taxpayer who lives within that jurisdiction can attend. Just having a community that maybe we appoint somebody that will go and find out what's being said, what's happening, what's available um, and coming back and reporting and people being able to benefit from that and helping each other from applications to other things because I know oftentimes there are language barriers and so those who are able to help help out and really just help community be more involved in what's going on and really make them feel more at home because I feel like this is their new home and this is their life now so make the best out of it and benefit from it as much as you can. Yeah, I think that is a great way to help out the Mauritanian diaspora and literacy and understanding of the system is so, so important because when you know the system, you can be successful in the system. Once the Mauritanian diaspora in the United States specifically learns that we can as a community be more successful in, in, in a generational way, um, so I think those those changes are important and just understanding how things work systematically, like politics, government, all of those things, they're just as important as other things. And how would you say the pandemic has impacted your job? I know you mentioned that you graduated in the pandemic, during the pandemic. And so 
I'm sure that in a lot of ways, did it, would you say the pandemic made it easier to find a job, made it more difficult? Because it, it does impact different career paths in different ways. I wasn't really, I guess, job searching during the pandemic. Um, the job I was on, because it was a government job, I know at the beginning, like a lot of us, we were furloughed for like a month or so just because things were crazy and nobody knew what was going on. So I think everybody panicked. And also during that time, I kind of had to switch gears into helping out in different parts. So I went from the commissioner's office to helping out to in the after a month of being in furlough, I went to help out in the public in the county public health department from like helping set up contact tracing and um, those kind of things that were everything we were doing was basically COVID focused. And so we had to stop everything and just focus on COVID, focus on COVID for the longest time, which at times like felt exhausting because it's like, you know, that's not, this is not the job you signed up for at the beginning, but you have to you have to learn how to adjust and switch gears when it's necessary kind of thing but you know i wasn't searching much like i was saying but this was an opportunity that i saw come up and i was like i was interested in it and so i I applied for it and after a long process that i had applied and forgotten about it after a long process of you know interviews assessment tests and all that i was finally selected uh, which i was very grateful for it was in some way it impacted me but not so much i would say yeah i think in general something that i learned and i'm sure a lot of people have learned from the pandemic is you do always have to be flexible because you never know how things on a small or large scale can change where can people find you on social media the only thing i'm on right now is instagram um and my handle is fatima f-a-t-i-m-a ba ba and then underscore underscore perfect and i will have a link the link to that in the show notes definitely go check it out thank you so much for being here today this was such a great conversation i definitely learned a lot from it thank you so much for having me i had a great time and it was really nice speaking with you i hope i see more of this and i'm so glad you're doing this podcast because i think it's very very necessary and much needed for our community. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to follow Fatima on her social media handles and to find any of the other relevant links that we mentioned in today's episode. I'd love to hear any feedback you guys have. So if you are listening on the Apple Podcast apps, you can actually leave a review as well as rate it. And then if you're also listening on Spotify, they have a new feature where you can rate this episode. So make sure to take a second. I would highly appreciate if you would just take a second to rate and review. I'm also sharing kind reviews over on the podcast Instagram at Disclaimers Aside Weekly. Make sure you're following Disclaimers Aside so that you can be a part of the community and share this podcast to whoever you think could gain anything from this episode. I look forward to chatting with you guys all next week. Bye! My